0: you know this difference has to start from the top it's the senior leadership level that needs to depict this openness towards both equality and accepting diversity in their actions and behaviors right so they can't be cracking crude jokes on the side with their men folk they can't be going out for a drink with only the men folk they can't be excluding the women folk but yet having a poster on their wall to say we appreciate gender diversity right you know so it has to really come about in the way they are behaving on a day-to-day basis it's only then that women will actually come up. If you actually look worldwide, you will find that majority of people in leadership positions are men.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Jitendra Singh, banker turned entrepreneur and author of the book Perfect Mastering the Art of Selling. I welcome you to read my story where I interview authors, speakers, coaches, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and more. Today I have with me Ms. Rohini Kullar. She is a seasoned professional with a diverse background of 38 years of experience. Having worked in uh, leading international companies such as Xerox, Ricoh, and Canon, she brings a wealth of knowledge in sales, marketing, and training. With 15 years, years spent in the corporate world, Rohini has a first-hand experience of the challenges and trumps that professionals face. Her ability to understand the emphasis with her audience allow her to connect with them on a deeper level. As the founder of Turning Point Learning Private Limited, she leads a team of nearly 50 trainers who are spread across the country. With a focus on transparency and trust, her company delivers training workshops in various industries and hierarchies, creating diverse audiences in different Indian languages. Additionally, they provide consulting services including competency mapping, development and assessment center, and process improvement. Her team also offers coaching services supporting both frontline employees and senior leaders in enhancing their performance. With a certification in various team uh, Blanchard leadership programs, she demonstrates her commitment to developing effective leaders. So today she will be discussing with us about her life journey. So let us hear from her. Welcome ma'am, the platform is open and now over to you.
0: Jitender thank you so much for having me and thank you so much for that lovely introduction can you see the little halo around my head
1: <laughs> right ma'am so uh, really uh, like happy to see you today after a few discussions the first thing i'd like to know from you is like how did your uh, life past life has affected the person you wanted to be in your life and what you are
0: so as a child obviously i didn't know the person i wanted to be but i think what has actually shaped me and what has made me today is a strong sense of independence so despite being a lady this Despite being a woman, uh, there was always a strong streak that was developed by both my parents, my father particularly, which said you need to stand independently on your two feet. And whether it's financial, whether it's emotional, you need to be fully independent. Also, very very early, so typically when I was a kid in the late 60s, so now you know my age, words like diversity, equality only existed in the dictionary. We never questioned it, we just took it for granted. And I think a lot of early experiences actually taught me that what it was to actually be equal and what it was to actually appreciate diversity, simply because I'd been exposed to multiple cultures right from childhood. I think I was a lucky few and fortunate few who having a father who was in the Navy, I actually got to meet people across three continents. And intrinsically that kind of built in an appreciation of what diversity actually meant. It, It wasn't something that I had to do. It was just something that was built into my system. Also in terms of, as I said, the key subject of actually equality, which is the big subject around today. I learned to appreciate that because irrespective of who was on board the ship, it could be a lowly cadet who had just about joined and I was the captain's daughter at the end of the day. I learned to appreciate whatever that person was bringing to the table. So whether he was my babysitter, or whether he would just be playing a particular game with me because I was bored still. You know, the one particular incident while we in our initial discussions really stands out in my memory i celebrated my seventh birthday in a place called Cartagena in spain all the children who had come for that birthday party were all dockyard children their fathers mothers were people who actually worked in the dockyard i didn't understand a word that they said because they were all speaking in spanish and they didn't understand a word that i said because i was speaking in a mixture of hindi and english But we had a blast of a birthday. So I think that is what uh, diversity, that is what equality, and that is what something that I was really taught and it became part of my makeup as I grew up.
1: Right. And that's really uh, interesting because our defense background, defense environment is always a diverse background where you meet so many different kind of people, different languages, different ethnicity. So that's itself is a huge learning. Right, ma'am. That's really interesting one. And if I uh, talk about things you are passionate about in your life, so what are those things and what is the role of motivation and inspiration in your life towards these things like passion uh, around you? Thank you. The cat So I'm going to answer both these
0: questions in a sense together. It might sound a bit cliched, but I think the one thing I'm really passionate about is people and the relationships that I have with them. So people who I meet as clients, people who I meet as potential whatever in the the past, they are people who I've actually carried along with me for the last 30, 35 years of my life. So from being a mere client or a potential client, they're actually good friends today. And you know, I'm not the kind of person my motivation is also people because I cannot do things on my own I cannot do shopping on my own I don't enjoy it I'd like to have somebody there with me to tell me what it's looking like I cannot go for a movie alone I cannot go to a restaurant alone. I can go to a mall alone now, but it's not something that I would rather do. And I think, you know, in abundance, the circle of friends that I have, if I really want to do something, I can just stand up, call up five people and say, yeah, you know, I really want to do this. Will you come with me? And one out of those five I know will go Right. So it just kind of falls in place. I, so it's people that I'm passionate about. It's the relationships that they bring about. It's getting to know those people, which also gives me a great kick and a great high in life. And I know for a fact that anybody who I've met professionally or personally, I will definitely remember them. I might not remember their names. And they will definitely remember me.
1: Right. And that you rightly pointed out when you connect with people. So you connect with them uh, hard. So th- that thing really uh, important is uh, when you kind of support them, you get support also. And you always enjoy uh, company of good people. You cannot enjoy company of any people, but people close to you.
0: Yeah. But you know, my array of people who are close to me is many you know I can't even count friends for example and you know suddenly when I put something up I'm not particularly active on social media but if I put up something on social media and people respond to it I kind of say it's been so long since I connected with him so right. the first thing that I would do is if I have the person's number I would rather connect through a call because it's always nice to pick up the phone and speak if I, ha- if I don't have a number then I would Engage in a chat, private chat on the social media platform and at least get to know what's happening in the other person's life.
1: Correct. That's really wonderful, connecting with people, knowing them, helping and supporting them, kind of getting reciprocated. Yeah. It's response.
0: It's something that I honestly just love. I, mean, I don't have any other way of expressing it. Yes,
1: right. So, uh, ma'am, if I ask about your work and experiences, like you have worked in sales for quite long and uh, that too in an industry where hardly any people work. So I'd like to know from you, like, how was your experience, what all you did, how you started onto it?
0: You know, so there was nothing planned about it. When I finished my graduation, I graduated out of LSR. When I finished my graduation, I knew one thing, I didn't want to study further. I'd had enough of studying and I wasn't particularly I did well, there was no challenge in that. But I just didn't want to study anymore. So one evening uh my father's chartered accountant and his wife had come over for dinner and she was running a placement agency. For those of your audience that is familiar in Delhi, familiar with Delhi, she had a placement agency in Airu place so i kind of told her i said listen i don't want to study anymore my mother's insisting i do a post-graduation i don't want to do it please find me a job So she kind of heard me out and it finished. She called me up a couple of days later. And remember in those days, we only had landline phones. We didn't have mobile phones. So she called me up on the landline and said, can you send me your CV? I didn't even know what a CV was. I had just about finished my uh, third year exams. So I said, I can't make a CV. You please make this CV thing. I don't know what to put. We didn't have any computers. We didn't have anything of that sort. And I couldn't suddenly start writing it down. So anyway, on the phone, all I had done was my academia in our hands and I had finished my graduation so I gave her those details and she must have done something about it and two days later she calls me up and said I fixed up your interview so I said oh this is a new one So I didn't have enough clothes to wear for the interview, Jitinder, Because, you know, college for all of us has really been jeans and t-shirts. And I couldn't go for interview wearing jeans and a t-shirt. So I remember I tacked up my mother's blouse at night and I tried on her sari and I hoped it wouldn't fall and all the rest of it. And then I landed up for this interview. It was in a company which was called Network Communications. They used to sell electronic typewriters at a cost of about 80,000 rupees so i had this hour-long interview with the hr manager and i must have said certain right things my mother always said rohini can be successful if she has the gift of the gap if something that she can use her speaking skills in she'll make it otherwise she's gonna flop miserably <laughs> So I obviously did certain things right in that interview because uh, he asked me to come back the next day to meet the head of HR as I was leaving. He said, hang on a minute. Do you know what the company does? So I turned around, in all honesty, I said, not really. So he said, what do you mean not really? I said, well, the consultant mentioned something about typewriters, but I'm not too sure. So he said, okay, sit down. I will explain to you what our typewriters do. So that was my quick product training that actually happened there. Anyway, I met up with the HR head, which was obviously like more like a, you know, formality in a sense. And he asked me, when can you join? I said, I can join tomorrow. I'm not doing anything. So he said, okay, join tomorrow. Your appointment letter will come subsequently so I came back home very very happy and I said oh I've got my job I've got my job I've got my job and my mother first thing she says at least you should have asked me I said what is there to ask you I said they asked me when I could join I joined tomorrow." so again that's a streak of independence to say I make my own decisions right so anyway I started work I didn't know much about it but I gradually came to know that it was actually a field job so my <laughs> job was actually to go out and train people on how to use the electronic typewriter. Now, considering it was an eighty-five thousand rupee product, obviously it only went to the you know PAs of the owners of the various companies. Large
1: companies. And here
0: was a yeah, in here was a little twenty-one year old coming in a mother's tacked-up sarees and blouses who didn't know how to type, but was out to teach the PA of these top not honchos right. in terms of how they could use their typewriters. So it was a great learning experience for me in terms of how and it actually toughened me up you know it made me allowed me to deal with a variety of people and women out in the field at that point of time was comparatively unknown so I've had clients who's misbehaved to an extent the first time a client said something to me that was inappropriate I cried I was really upset second time the client said something to me another client said something to me I came back and told my boss what did you think I'd do third time something happened I laughed it off and I think that was where my growth actually happened to say I'm responsible for myself not for that guy right anyway I left uh, network and I joined I think what was the training ground for a lot of youngsters which was Modi Zorox at that time and it really put me into space because you know Modi Zorox at that point had some hardcore processes in place they had this very neat little box for you and you kind of got into that box that box told you exactly what your boundaries were exactly what you had to do when I moved into direct selling there in a period of almost about a month and a half i managed to achieve almost nine months of the year's target wow i was held up to say it was a lot of hard work that the other guy had done i just stepped into the right time so as i said i was supported by managers who actually saw what my worth was and i think they created that environment to make sure that i delivered my best so from Modi Rocks, I took a break from office automation and I joined a small space selling company. So they used to do magazines for the in-flight, which was Swagat Namaskar. I was handling advertising and uh, publication for a computer magazine. But after the pressures of auto- office automation, space selling seemed a bit tame for me. So I left almost in about a year and a half and I came back to office automation. So I joined at that point of time, the Reprographics division of ICIM. So that's where my managerial journey from being a frontline salesperson, my managerial journey actually started off. While in uh, ICIM, it then became RPG RICO and then RICO India and then wound up. While in RICO, uh, I on a request, I moved to Bangalore because I had a very bad day in traffic coming back so i wasn't married but i was seeing the man i was going to marry so we both took a spot decision to say delhi traffic very bad let's move out of the city so in a spot decision we said let's go to bangalore sounds nice so fortunately both our companies gave us their blessings and we moved to bangalore getting into bangalore we realized we didn't want to stay there for too long because it was very laid-back city very state city everything came to a halt on a friday evening other than drinking and having a fun life there wasn't much in terms of professionally so eight months down the line i said no let's go back let's go back let's go back fortunately our companies brought us back also And that's when my movement happened into training because I didn't want to come back into sales. So I moved into training and my first training program was horrible. I mean, it was really, really awful. And I won't tell you guys about it because you guys have a good impression about me, but it was really bad. And uh, from Rico as heading their training function, I moved into marketing for some time because I delivered a baby at that point and I couldn't travel for training. So they moved me as head of marketing. I moved into Canon when it came into as a direct subsidiary into India, uh, which was in 97 possibly. So, I headed their entire marketing and sales support function, including training. Uh, I took a brief break from uh, Canon and I joined a dot com company. That is the biggest mistake, but in hindsight, not a mistake. Right. Because, you know, they didn't have the money to pay you on regular intervals. So, I got used to the idea of not receiving a salary. So, hence, my movement into consulting was much easier. You know, because all the new the amount you work is the amount you're going to get paid. So I moved from there into a consulting company called Door Training and Consulting. So while I was there, I think the going was excellent because I spent 10 years there. That's where I got certified on the entire Blanchard suite of uh, programs. Uh, I also got trained on a lot of uh, Door programs. Door is a Polish, uh, a German company now. I left door after 10 years and started off my own company called Turning Point, Learning Private Limited. And I called it Turning Point because after 10 years, it was the turning point in my life. So we've been in existence now for about 11 years. And as I said, as you said in your introduction, I now work with a team of almost about 40 or 50 trainers across the country. And our core values is we actually work with a lot of trust. I don't have a single written piece of paper between them and me, yet I swear by them and they swear by me. And I think that's the basis of all our existences. Uh, Recently, I've also taken on the uh, presidentship of Delhi for uh, a conglomerate, if I call it that, or a network uh, of something which is called Wiki, which is the Women's India Chambers of Commerce and Industry and i'm part of a council that is to do with corporate sustainability and i think that's something that all of us i would like to take it very seriously and leave this earth the way we found it for our children
1: it's very really important So
0: that's about yeah 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 that's true
1: Right. That's very really interesting one, ma'am. Your journey was very really interesting. You have worked with different roles and handled different uh, like responsibilities at each organization. So uh, now I'm asking you about your vision, mission and goal in life for next 5 to 10 years from now.
0: You know, a lot of experiences... Over the last,
1: uh, what should I say, about four
0: years, I think have changed a lot of our perspective. And I I think not only for me, but for a lot of other people. You know, COVID has taught us a lot. True. So I no longer plan for five years. (laughs) I no longer want to have a five year goal. I would rather say. But on
1: the other side, you teach how to plan for five years, like goal, vision, mission, and these things.
0: Yeah, so I have trained a lot of organizations on how to look at their visions, how to look at their missions and how to look at more importantly their values. Right. For me, it's values that are going to drive your vision and mission. You know, vision and mission are movable poles. It's the value system that you put in place that actually holds this vision and mission together. And value systems really stem from a large part of our backgrounds. I think they get formed, I mean, typically in training, we talk about an iceberg principle, where values, beliefs, and attitudes is something that lies below the surface. So what you and I get to see is only people's behaviors, but those behaviors are shaped by my belief system or my value systems. Right, Right. And those are really carved in stone. It's very, very difficult to change that. I think I was lucky because my values and beliefs got set in terms of what I am today. And I have no regrets on that. So if you look at in terms of what is my vision mission, I'd like, as I said, to really leave behind a legacy, which is actually based on trust. That's a very important factor for me. Trust, integrity, transparency. And that for me is the key. Right. And of course, I must add, let's have a lot of fun around this. There's no point in being serious.
1: Uh, true so uh, ma'am if I ask you like what are the most important uh, learnings you had from your personal and professional journey so far
0: so I'm going to connect this to the topic that we discussed which is in terms of diversity and equality I've already talked about a lot of factors in my childhood because of the cultural experiences the cultural know-how the the exposure to different kinds of cultures of how I learned to appreciate the diversity and uh, most importantly I think also the food. So I want to kind of share with your audience a particular statement that I learned from my father. He's no longer there. He told me all 365 days of the year are equal. You can decide how equal or how not equal you want to make it. So which is why I have learned that, I mean, it might sound quite horrible. I don't fast on any day. I celebrate equal festivals. For me, every festival is a sense of fun, is a sense of joy, and I do them all. You know, whatever gifts we give them presents, why not? Okay. The second thing that I learned, see, as I started working, I was working in a very, very male dominated environment. Now it would have been easier for any of my bosses to say, "Okay, yaar, do isko, isko kya karna? Forget her." Even, I mean, every time I would attend a leadership meeting, typical all organizations have kickoff meets right. at the end of the year, beginning of the next year, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The address would always be, "Good morning, gentlemen, and Rohini." So I was given that kind of uh, courage to actually stand up and say whatever I had to say. I mean, I was just not part of everybody else. I still remember after my daughter was born, there was a kickoff meet that was happening in Bombay. So I told Big Boss, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it because she's too young. I can't leave her alone at night. Right. So he turned on and told me, he says, what is it that I can do to make sure I get you there? So I kind of thought, I said, I don't know. So he said, suppose I get you on the first flight in the morning. I will arrange the sessions in such a way that the key sessions are delivered along with yours on day one. And I give you enough time to take the evening flight back, not even the late night flight, but the evening flight back. Is that doable? So I said, yes, that is definitely doable. Right. So equality doesn't mean treating everybody the same way. Equality means really giving me those differences to help me, you know, contribute in the same way. I still remember there was a conference that I attended in Goa. And as I said, this was a little later, but all conferences typically, you know, one night is all Darubazi and drinking (laughs) and whatever else. So, I mean, that's pretty standard, I think, across conference. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there we were on the beaches in Goa, and one of my colleagues comes up to me and she said, This lady wants to meet you. She's the person who's handling all our banquet facilities so I said okay hi so she first asked me everything to your liking okay this that everything so I said yeah everything is just perfect she said I really wanted to ask you something I said ask so she said what does it feel like to work in such a male dominated environment now that question honestly had me flummoxed for a minute because I had never really thought I mean I won't say I hadn't thought of them as males that's not fair but I hadn't really thought of that question so I kind of stopped for a minute and when I stopped in those maybe 30 30 seconds or one minute, I could see about 40 pairs of eyes waiting for my answer.
1: Right.
0: So I said, oh, oh. So I said the first thing that came into my head, I said, I feel very protected. And that was actually true. You know, I could be with 40 guys, all 40 of them drinking, some of them dead drunk, some of them something. And you know how these jokes carry on. They would say, no, no, don't go shut your ears, but don't go. But it was a question of being fully protected amongst them. And that's what helped me give it my best. So I think I've been lucky, uh, you know, fortunate with the people that I've had to work with. They have actually created this environment for me to actually give it my best. And I have.
1: Right. That was really a wonderful support from your teammates. That makes you still strong. True. Right. So now uh, I'm coming on to the discussion for the day. So what and how uh, does organization can promote diversity and equality in the workplace?
0: I think it's a two-way street, Jitinder. You know, I do not want to say it is only the organization's responsibility to create this diverse environment. Yes, part of the responsibility definitely lies with them, But I think there's a large part that lies with the individual themselves. You know, and uh, since the focus of this discussion is primarily in terms of the gender diversity, also the woman employee's responsibility to make sure that she takes upon herself the onus of delivery on certain tasks you know there are three primary areas where tasks are not given to women the first is does she clear the interview you know when you see a pers- a woman coming in it's a field job the immediate thing is uh-uh, can she do it because most women are given back-end jobs right so that's the first one that organizations have to overcome that's from an organizational perspective the second one that happens is normally you know when they're giving stretch jobs so if there's a late sitting, if there's a stretch assignment, organizations prefer to give it to men. And I think that's why women need to come forward. They need to actually show that they can deliver. So just not taking on the task, but making sure that you do deliver. And believe you me, when they do deliver, I know they deliver a better job. So they have to actually make sure they take it on and deliver the job. That's why they'll get more jobs that are coming their way. The third place that it actually impacts gender, I think, and impacts equality is when it's appraisal time. Invariably, most of the people who are on the other side of the table, who are men or women, because they think women can't do the job, they promote the men up. Even though in terms of performance, women could have done better. So I think there again, it's a a dual responsibility on both. It's for the organization to actually train and coach their women to become better leaders. And it's also the responsibility of the woman to showcase that she can do it. Right. So it really has to happen two ways.
1: Correct. The involvement from organization is equally important as the engagement and uh, taking responsibility from the employees, both genders. True. The, True. More the, both have to the more you uh, take responsibility, the more chances you've got for the uh, growth True. in the organization. So remember, if I ask you further, like, uh, what steps organization can take to ensure that equal opportunities for all employees are there?
0: I think, you know, this difference has to start from the top. It's the senior leadership level that needs to depict this openness towards both equality and accepting diversity in their actions and behaviors. Right. So they can't be cracking crude jokes on the side with their men folk. They can't be going out for a drink with only the men folk. They can't be excluding the women folk. But yet having a poster on their wall to say, we appreciate gender diversity. Right. you know. So it has to really come about in the way they are behaving on a day-to-day basis. It's only then that women will actually come up. I mean, I don't know about statistics, but if you actually look worldwide, you will find that majority of people in leadership positions are men. And a lot of uh, people heading back end f- functions are women. So it doesn't require them to do too much. They're quite happy to work with their computer systems, finish off work at six o'clock and go
1: home. Right.
0: I think that's what needs to change. So both from the woman's side as well as from the organizational side and it's senior leadership that needs to drive it.
1: And also the engagement program which is happening in the organization, they need to increase it.
0: Yeah, so engagement program can't just be a town hall. Right. In the town hall, you must at regular intervals have maybe women leaders who are taking that town hall. You know, when you have a reward and recognition, if you find there's a skew towards women uh, towards men, change that skew. In most reward and recognition program, eighty percent are men who are getting awards. Right, because either women haven't been given the job or they haven't performed. I don't know what the answer is. In most of the cases, they haven't been given the opportunity.
1: Correct. So, it's really important that level of uh, engagement from the top uh, management, that should need to improve. And also, hiring process also needs to be taken care of well.
0: True. You need to take a decision at the management level that we must have X percentage who are women. I know in certain places they are getting this mandate done to say we need to have so many women who are there in the front line, middle management, junior management, and top
1: leadership. Correct, right, ma'am. So onto this further, if I ask you, like, how do organizations measure the effectiveness of delivery and equality initiatives?
0: I don't think they're in a position today to look at measuring it. The first thing is let them get it going. Measurement is something that can come later and measurement can only come about when you've actually got say 50% women who are working you have made arrangements for how to handle a returning mother to the workplace. You have handled how do you handle other kinds of uh, emotional trauma. You are handling it for the men but you are not handling it for the women. Men will say okay I have broken up with my wife so I must do this. So what do you think about the women? Because we are living at the end of the day Jitendra in a male dominated environment. Right. We are living in a paternalistic in a man dominated
1: environment correct and also uh, one thing which came to my mind just now that we uh, you you've spoken about that there should be certain uh, X number of female employees in the organization that should be a mandate should be followed but there could also be one thing like on the basis of the number of women in the organization they should have X number of women should be in sales role or friend uh yeah. roles also. You know,
0: you will find functions like HR fill full of women.
1: Most of them are women.
0: Yeah, most Operations of HR is women. Most of huh. In all they're all women. In a lot of um, you know, functions like in banking especially, when you have people at the front end desk, they will all be women. But Bahar Nijara. In fact, in the branch, it's all very well.
1: Right. But they don't want to go go out. They are not willing to go out, actually.
0: Customer service, call center, 90% are women. Because the inclination is when you call somebody and you're a woman, the man will listen to you. <laughs> so that means your right. target audience is all men. True. So I think that kind of bias needs to be removed. We have to understand that you know women are capable as much as men are capable. You know We're educated. Uh, we've got the right kind of skills. I think we're more capable of multitasking. Genetically, we're able to multitask more than uh, men can multitask. I mean, it's a simple example to add a little bit of humor to it. When a man goes to office, he forgets he has a home. And this you can check across the board. A woman will go to office she will make 10 calls back at home have the kids come home have the kids been fed has this happened has so-and-so gone for his tuition if the child needs something for a project he will call up the mother and say i do not have crayons i do not have chart paper i do not have this i do not have that he will never call up the father because the father is forgotten when he comes back home at seven o'clock eight o'clock then he'll remember he has a
1: family So it's the woman
0: who is multitasking both the jobs. She's managing the home front and she's doing the work front.
1: Correct. So you rightly pointed out that women do multitasking. They take care of the home front as well as the office front. So sometimes it is seen uh, by the management or by the organization that they are kind of engaging more on phones rather than focusing on their work. So sometimes it creates negative impact also when it comes to the organization.
0: I think that's again a mindset. So rather than looking at what the woman is doing or she's talking on the phone, I think we need to look at what are the results that she's delivering. And if the results are what is as per expectation, it's okay. So I could put in two hours of work and do something that somebody else is doing in six hours of work. And again, as I said, I appreciate my boss for whatever they've done for me. I remember there was a situation where HR came back and complained to my boss and said, she's not coming in time. So he said, I don't care. She's not going in time either. She's going late. But I know for a fact that she's finishing whatever jobs I'm giving her. So I don't care whether she's here in office at 9 or not. I'm okay if she comes in at 10, she does whatever she has to do and comes in at 10, but finishes off the work that she has to do for the day. Right. So as I said, that is the kind of support I think which the organization needs to provide. I'm blessed in that sense.
1: You rightly pointed out because situationally, some people may have some kind of problem which they need to address too. So, that's really important. You give support to them on that front. And if they are uh, contributing towards the organization as a whole, so that is the work done. Uh, like, that is the important thing for the organization.
0: Yeah. So, you know, if a man starts coming late to work, you won't assume he has a family problem. You will assume that he has a tire puncture. Ho gaya, no. gaadi nahi chali hui. That's the difference.
1: So, ma'am, uh, coming back to you again, if I ask you about your views and thoughts uh, related to success, what are your take on uh, success
0: so you know gone are the days where at least as per me success could be defined in terms of money position Uh, success to me really again is a movable target it's a question of being happy in the space that you've created It's a question of doing what you want to do. You know, all of us have gone through life doing things we don't want to do, but we've done them for whatever reasons. Yeah, so it's a question of being happy in my space and a lot of contentment in that space so that in itself i think gives you the ability to do more and more you know as we say uh, if you do what you like to do and you do do those baby little steps it gives you the freedom and the flexibility to do more and there's an example that actually uh, dr ken blanchard gave and the example is kind of stuck in my head he says that when a baby is starting to walk and he takes his first couple of steps what happens he kind of stands up holding the sofa he takes half a step and he falls down now what happens when he takes that one little step the whole family celebrates and that enthusiasm gets to that kid now imagine if you turn on and tell him what an idiot you are you can't even walk you're one and a half years old the whole world is walking at one and a half years old that's exactly the way we need to treat our people when they take those small baby steps when they've joined an organization. So for me, when people come to me as trainers, I need to appreciate the small baby steps they're doing. It's only when I appreciate the small baby steps, will I enable them to take larger steps. So if today they're doing a customer service program, which is a small thing, right? I have to appreciate them for that customer service program so that tomorrow they can do a customer management program, if you get the nuance. so we have to learn to appreciate the smaller things because then we will automatically get more of it if you turn on and tell them you are not capable enough of a trainer you can't do anything right there's just no way you can work at this the guy is not going to do anything
1: tomorrow yeah yes most importantly when uh, if you don't take these baby steps how would you start walking actually
0: you can't you can't and i think that is the key role so even with senior management if i equate it back to you know the entire piece on equality and diversity i think the management needs to appreciate the smaller steps that are coming from the female gender and from diverse people from diverse backgrounds i mean india is a very very diverse
1: country right that's really important because uh, people are coming from small towns small cities and after coming to large cities, metros or uh, like urban areas, they start working. So they don't know the culture. They know, don't know the environment. But still they struggle. They, they do uh, best what they can. So that should be appreciated.
0: A simple thing is English language. People who are coming from Hindi heartland don't know English. Correct. You know, so we have to be able to create that environment that if they have to move up the ladder, the regional languages no longer can work. Whether it's Hindi or it's Tamil or whatever else it might be. I mean, English is the spoken corporate language.
1: Correct. So i uh, moving on to the last one. Any message or advice you would like to share with our viewers and listeners?
0: I think a lot of youngsters and I've had the privilege of actually dealing with a lot of young professionals, you know, when we do workshops and things like that. I'd only like to say one thing, be yourself and create your own space. Nobody else is going to create it for you. So there's no point of paying a victim card or this didn't happen, that didn't happen. Remember, you have to grasp it yourself and you have to create your own space.
1: Correct. If something is not turning out positive or in your favor, think of other things what you can do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because the only thing I have control over is myself. I don't have control over you. I don't have control over the weather. I don't have control over anything else. I am the only one who can decide to make or not to make.
1: Correct. So you have chosen to be in sales. That was your decision. If you would have uh, taken something else, So, might be you would have different kind of thought process, different kind of uh, environment. So, that all really depends how you. Yeah, sales.
0: Sales, I think you know, honestly, I still love it. I mean, today I'm selling training. I might be selling something different, but I'm still selling training. Correct. You know, the ticket size can vary. Obviously, the service is different. It's still something that I really, really enjoy. You know, that thrill, that rush of adrenaline that you get when a client closes it and said, "Yes, we're going ahead." with you it's still the same nothing can change that
1: yes you rightly pointed out ma'am it is a uh, kind of a thing which you always uh, always like cherish uh, your first sale when you did it first time you was happy and mm-hmm. excited now also uh when you do your sales you are same way so that is the thing which gives uh, patient every time and that could only happen in sales
0: correct very true
1: right ma'am so you have shared so very many wonderful things i must say And uh, you have shared your journey, how you started your career, what all you did. And you have chosen a field which is, uh, which is like many people don't, go for it most, most people are not willing to take chance in sales but being a female you took it you did it very well and also you uh, created a legacy behind where other women can also see you and see you as a mentor as a guide as a uh, like uh, motivation inspiration so that they can also take a charge in sales and uh, they can exceed uh, excel in sales also So it was really an uh, interesting uh, thing uh, for me also. Like sales was also an uh, interesting thing for me. So I must say it was really amazing to hear you. Uh, Your uh, stories behind sales was wonderful. I really enjoyed and I've learned a lot. And looking forward to hear more from you soon again, probably on this topic or maybe some other learnings from your life. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, ma'am.
0: So we're going to do numerology together
1: now. Right. (laughs) Thank you so much, (laughs) ma'am, for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so
0: much. Yeah, it was a pleasure interacting with you. Thank you so much. I thoroughly
1: enjoyed myself. Sure. And also I will share your social media link uh, along with the interview so that people can see, connect with you, take your help and guidance wherever they they are requiring your support. So so guys, don't forget to check that out too. Thank you so very much everyone for watching and listening. I hope you all must have gathered a lot of information. Enjoyed watching it and don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Have a good time. Thank you and bye-bye. I'm